Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Riotta's Basketball Talk. I know it's been a while since I last uploaded, I'm sorry for that. But now, I'm back. I'm going to give you some content. Especially since the NBA season has been exciting as ever. It's been a great start to the NBA season. Um, and all that I'll be talking about will be stuff that um, is being recorded on the 21st of November. So anything that I have will be... All stats and standings will be talked about since um, or till up to that day. And so anyway, there's a lot been going on in the NBA season. To start, it's been exciting to see who's kind of fallen off, some surprises, you know. And we'll, we're about to discuss that. Um, but before we start, I just want to say if you are listening to this on Spotify, please make sure to hit that follow button and turn on notifications just so that every time I upload a podcast episode, you'll be the first to know about it. And if you're on YouTube, please make sure to subscribe and like on the video. It'll show the support and it's completely free and you guys will keep getting more content if there's more support to it. And that is much appreciated. And if you can share this to anybody, that'd be great. Anyway. First thing that I want to be moving on to, instead of talking about any teams, I want to be moving on to a little segment called the uncalled rules in the NBA. One thing that I noticed in the NBA is that they they don't let a lot of uh, they don't call everything. There are play there are debatable calls, and the refs have um, changed this year um, with the contact. And you've seen many struggles with certain players. It's quite surprising to see. You see James Harden not getting off to the best start this season um, due to the lack of free throws he's shooting. He's just not he's just not being able to absorb that contact um, and be able to get the points he wants. And he's just not he's just not producing. And it's not the best to see, but it's what happened. The referees are still trying to figure out how they're going to assess certain rules. And right now, it's still in that experimental stage, especially since we're only around 16, around 16 games into the regular season. So we're seeing a lot of inconsistencies from referees, and that's why we've been seeing inconsistency from James Harden, where he would sometimes drop 30 points and shoot 15 free throws, and then sometimes only shoot one free throw. And that's because him, it's not him adapting, it's the referees changing their strategy because they get a report after every game, and depending on each report, they would adapt to it. And clearly, some referees adapt in a different way. And they're still figuring things out, which is acceptable. And there's a debate. And some players think that the new refing is great. Some don't think so. And speaking of James Harden, he's not the only one that's been facing this. He's just probably the most... He's the player that's been dramatically impacted the most. Another big player that's been impacted by this rule would probably be Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard's averaging, in 16 games, averaging 21.6 points a game in 35.9 minutes. 8.1 assists, 4 rebounds, which is pretty good when you look at an average player. But this is not what we expect from Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is one of the premier guards, someone that we thought would be standing out just like Steph Curry did last year and is doing this year so far who's an MVP candidate. But Damian Lillard, when you look at that, those raw stats, they don't look bad. But when you dig deeper, it's not that great, especially when you compare it to the rest of the NBA and even his teammates like CJ McCollum. CJ McCollum shoots, Damian Lillard field goal percentage is 39% this season. And he shoots 29% from the three-point line. Just not great to see. And he's also only shooting 4.1 free throw attempts per game. That's very low for Damian Lillard, very low for a point guard in general. And you expect to see a bit more from him. 
And then when you look, when you compare CJ McCollum, who shoots um, one less field goal per game, averages 42.5 field goal percentage, and shoots 39.6% from the three-point line, which is a great standard, which is good to see. And it's clear, CJ McCollum hasn't really changed his game. He's only averaging still 20, only 20.4 points a game. And assistant rebound numbers aren't high. And his defensive efficiency isn't that great. But when you compare it, Damian Lillard is just not the same. Damian Lillard's not the same Damian Lillard we're used to. It's like James Harden. They're going to get to it, especially depending on how the refs do it. But I feel like they'll, they'll get their groove going. It's only 16 games this season. Uh, the NBA season is long. It's 82 games. And we have time. And it's going to be very exciting to see what they bring up. Anyway, moving back to the uncalled rules. So, the first thing I want to talk about is three seconds in the offensive paint. So, when we look at FIBA, they don't have this rule. As the FIBA, FIBA rules is that, um, well, they don't have the defense three-second rule, but they do have the offense three-second rule. And they call it a lot more because they don't have to focus on the defense three-second rule, and it's better that way. Um, but, yeah, one thing they don't call are the three-second rules as much. Um, when you're watching the full game, you, you, it's hard to see a three-seconds rule. Defense or offense, it's a bit hard. You have sometimes players that are just standing in the paint the whole time, just zoning out. And you see players zoning out and missing the rotations. That's because they're zoned out in the paint generally. And when, you, when they see that, the rest aren't calling it as much. And obviously, even though there are three refs, it's a hard job because all three refs are focusing on the ball and some off-ball movements, especially if there are any rivalries between players. So three seconds in the paint is definitely a tough call to make, especially since if you're going to do it to a one-off call, you have to be either consistent or you don't do it all. But if you don't do it all, if coaches or players or any scouts recognize that, it's going to be a problem for the referees and as well as a way for the players to exploit that. So when looking at that, I think the refs need to be more consistent with that as it is their job to do this. And these uncalled rules are definitely things that could go that could change things up for the NBA and make players a bit more focused. And you see a lot, a little less um, bad attitude because attitude is great in basketball. You'll see the excitement, but you want to see good attitude. You want to see good sportsmanship. This is an entertainment, and this is what also people look up to. This is the, the highest stage of basketball, and this is what you look up to, and that's what you want to see in the NBA. Secondly is the baseline inbound. So this is an interesting one because after teams score or if there is – play where you don't really think all oh, the team should have scored um players do get upset on the inbound that's when that's when they can let out their frustration that's what i'm talking about the bad attitude sometimes players just don't care and honestly no people at different level at all levels generally don't care about this rule and refs don't care about it because it doesn't affect the game that's one thing that i don't like about some referees excuses that it doesn't affect the game but whatever it is the rules have to be uh, taught in this case it isn't enforced the NBA as much, especially when teams score, especially when you watch the full game and you watch closely. And those baseline inbounds after a team scores, I would say 30% of the time, they're on the line, they're over the line, they're not inbounding the ball correctly. And the refs don't catch on to that because it doesn't affect the game unless it's, of course, a full-court press, a full-court trap, or any sort of um, indication which the ref should focus on that play. And it's unfortunate to see because sometimes when I watch the game, it's frustrating to see that some teams get away with that so frequently especially with the bad attitude that they face. And it also motivates or kind of help, uh, makes other people see what's going on. And viewers would see that and they might take that in, especially younger generational players. Moving on to, to the next thing is cupping. 
This is something that a lot of NBA players get away with compared to FIBA. And a lot of NBA players aren't being called for. And all the best players do this. All the best point guards especially. You see Chris Paul gets away with a lot. He wouldn't be where he is because of cupping. But every other player almost cups. It's impossible to call consistently. And it'd be weird for a referee to call that now. But the cupping is absolutely insane in the NBA. It should be a problem that should have been talked about in the summer. And they should have started enforcing. Because this is something that's getting absurd. And players are getting away with a really absurd cupping. And it's not basketball. It's a double dribble. When players put the ball on their hand and make these nifty moves, it fooled the, it, it's a disadvantage for a defender. It's an advantage for the offensive player. And it's just not fun. And when you look at that, it's, um, yeah, that's something that the NBA should look at and shouldn't force. Anyway, moving on from that little segment of uncalled rules, maybe if there are any more uncalled rules that I'll, I'll be looking at, maybe I can check the comment section on YouTube or I'll find more myself. But I'm hoping to do that for every podcast, maybe get some new segments going and stay tuned for the next segment, next episode. Anyway, I'll be going over each team individually after looking at the standings. So first, let's look at the standings between the East and Western Conference. So when you look at the Eastern Conference, this is of 21st of November. Brooklyn Nets, Washington Wizards, and Chicago Bulls are tied for first place at the Brooklyn Nets 12-5, and Washington and Chicago are 11-5. Now, Chicago Bulls aren't surprised they're on fire. Nets, cool, but the Wizards? This is insane. And yet the Heat being fourth, not too behind back. Knicks are fifth, Charlotte sixth. You have Boston, and going down order, Boston, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Toronto, Indiana, Detroit, and Orlando. Early in the season, obviously, so there are not a lot of surprises here. Um, It's been pretty consistent, but I'll be going over each team individually later. I'm just going to be talking about this now. I'll be going over the standings. First place in the NBA is Golden State Warriors. They've won three in a row. And then the Phoenix Suns are second, who've won 11 in a row already. They're on fire. Then you have the Jazz, the Mavericks, the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Trailblazers, Grizzlies, Lakers, Timberwolves, Thunder, Kings, Spurs, Pelicans, and Rockets. And the Rockets have the worst record in the league, and they are 1-15. They have lost 14 straight. Yikes. Anyway, let's go over some teams. I'll be going over a lot of teams. Not every team, but I'll be going over a lot of teams and what they've been doing this season. And it's good to see. Um, anyway, first team I'm looking at is Charlotte. Charlotte's an interesting team. They they haven't been doing so bad this season. They are sixth with a record of ten and eight, third in the Southeast Division. Miles Bridges turning down that contract could have been one of the best decisions he ever made, especially if he does stay healthy. He's been great, doing really well for a team, averaging 21.6, leading the team um, in scoring. And then you see Lamelo Ball, who's second with averaging 19.3, and he's also averaging 7.8 rebounds, 7.7 assists on two steals, and only three turnovers, that's really good for a point guard, and his PER is extremely high, and it is good to see that, it is one. It is pretty much the highest on the team, and that's exactly what you want to see out of your third pick, and your starting point guard, or your star point guard, and it's a player efficiency rating, is PER, and Miles Bridges is up there, Gordon Hayward is there. However, Terry Rozier will get that up a bit. But Charlotte Hornets are an interesting team. I like the Mason Plumlee pickup. Um, but not ever. this team could do a bit better, I think. I think they need more pieces. 
overpaying for Rozier and Hayward, but I think next season they'll be threat. They're young and they have tons of potential, and they are definitely going to be looking good. Um, going to be looking good going forward. I think that they they're going to be an interesting team. Their um, their home announcers are awesome to watch. They're the biggest entertainment entertaining announcers there is for basketball. Next, I'll be looking at the Boston Celtics. Um, Boston Celtics are an interesting team. They got Al Horford back, which I love. And the fact that he's playing well is exactly what I love. Um, he has 20.69 PER. That's absolutely fantastic. Just right after 21.35 PER of Robert Williams III. And I knew Al Horford produced these numbers. Al Horford, he, he wasn't great in Philadelphia because he used him as a 3 and D type player because of Joel Embiid, and he wasn't a great fit there. Boston is the fit for him. Brad Stevens knew how to use him. This new coach knows how to use him. Exactly what you want to see. I love Al Horford. I love, I love what he did with the Thunder. His leadership inspired players. And now that he's back with Boston, I think he's now happy to be on a winning and more contending team. He's motivated. People talked about how he was washed. He was never washed. He was just put on a really, he was just put on a bad team with a bad game plan and a team that just didn't gel together, which were the Philadelphia 76ers. One thing about the Celtics that I do like to criticize is that they beat, they beat a healthy Lakers team, more or less, without Jalen Brown. Dennis Schroeder's been stepping up his game since Jalen Brown got injured, and Jason Tatum and Schroeder proved to become a prominent duo, especially since Jalen Brown became injured. However, this also raises concern for the Boston Celtics that Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, one of them may have to go because they're not all great fit. And if I were to choose one, that may definitely be Jason Tatum because he's younger, shown more skill, and he's proven to be more he- he's proven to be healthier than Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown brings less to the table, and I feel as though that he could he's less of a threat. Um, um, than Jason Tatum, especially when Jason Tatum plays with everyone else on the team, he's amazing. J- compared to Jalen Brown playing with the team without Tatum, isn't the same. So that that proposition of Brown for Simmons is something that's up for grabs and would be interesting to see. Um, and it's all it's lovely to see um, J- Jason Tatum averaging twenty five point five points a game, just increasing his skill and just seeing that is just absolutely fantastic. And excited for that later on. Next, I'm going to look at the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're fifth in the Northwest Division. They're six and ten. How the Northwest Division is stacked. Um, this is a very young team, the youngest team in the NBA. Um, but yeah, this is this is great to see. They have a lot of young potential. Josh Giddy's looking good. Um, as a rookie, he has tons of potential. He's coming out like a shade Gillis Alexander. I feel like he's going to be that type of player who's going to improve his game every year. But one thing that I'm disappointed at is Shea. He's got to produce more. 20.4 points a game, 15.90 PER. Could be higher. Um, and obviously, that obviously is just not, it's, not the, it's not the best. He's shooting a decent percentage from the field, but it could be higher. He's shooting 40.1% from the field and 319 from three, which isn't great, but it, it could be better. He's very fundamentally gifted, and he has the skill to be, a great, uh, to be an all-star. But his improvement is not the fastest. And if you're the Thunder, you're a bit worried. He's 23 still. He's still very young. But he's got to have some kind of breakout season because 20.4 points a game isn't just going to cut it, especially for a team that's looking for that all-star. Um, Dort is looking great. His three-point percentage is 30.5, but it, it, it could be a bit higher. But he's been great defensively. 
He's been improving his game offensively. He's great for a Thunder, and I'm excited for what the Thunder are going to bring. They could be that Dark Horse 10th seed. We have seen the standings. Um, you see Houston, it's Houston from going from the bottom. Houston aren't contending with them. Pelicans aren't, especially even if Zion coming back. We'll go on with that later. Spurs, Kings, Thunder, Minnesota, they're the ones competing for that 10th spot, maybe 9th spot with Memphis. They've been falling off a bit recently, so we'll be talking about that later on. Then we're going to be moving on to the Lakers. The Lakers are currently 9th. Um, bit disappointing, actually very disappointing. They're not that great. They're actually really not that great. They're fourth in Pacific Division, eight and nine. They just went under five hundred after losing uh, to the Celtics. Um, just isn't great to see. LeBron James only played seven games so far, out of seventeen. It's good to see AD healthy, averaging thirty four point eight minutes a game, um, and his PER is twenty five point six four, which is fantastic. But when you watch the games, he looks fragile. He looks like a shard of glass. Just doesn't. Just looks like he's injury prone. And I don't think it's his age or what it is. He's just never healthy. That's just who he is. Just like a Joel Embiid, they're always injury prone, and that's the problem. Um, AD's extended for a long while with with the Lakers, but um, yeah, that's something to be worried about. He's 28 though. He's still young. He's in his prime. But it is gonna be interesting to see. Then Westbrook just not fitting in the way you want him to. He's not shooting great from the from the field. It's 29.7 from the three-point line, but AD's shooting 17.6. Um, Russell Westbrook has a high turnover rate. His three-point his three uh, free throw percentage isn't that great. His PER is at 15. Um, you can say they're still fitting in, which is definitely a thing. It's only 17 games into the season for them. They definitely do have potential to make it, but I just don't see it. They're a lot older team. The only bright spot right now is THT. Taylor Horn Tucker and Carmelo Anthony's good. He's rejuvenating his career, but it's gonna be tough to see. And um, but yeah, I don't see the Lakers making the finals. That prediction will be moved on to a different one very soon. Then you're moving on to what I thought would be the finals matchup: the Nets and Lakers. But the Nets, the Nets are a contending team, a team that needs to win now. They have players that are in their prime but going towards the end of it and you see you have kevin durant in 16 games in the season 20 averaging 28.6 points a game and with a 27.92 per averaging 7.9 rebounds and 4.9 assists and only doing it on three turnovers shooting 56.7 percent from the field and 42.7 percent from three that's fantastic Scoring efficiency is at 1.534. Kevin Durant, the game comes to him. He's been excellent for this team. And he's only bright spot. James Harden is still doing fine. Averaging 21.2 points a game, 7.7 rebounds, 8.8 assists on five turnovers with a 21.52 PR. It could be higher. And it's unfortunate to see, but we're going to see how the refs do it, like I talked about earlier in this podcast. We'll see how the refs ref, um, call it. But for now, it's not looking too bright. Um, not looking too bright for this uh, net squad. You don't have Kyrie coming back. You definitely don't. Patty Mills not shooting the best from three. He started off 10 for 10, though, on fire. And right now, he's shooting 48% from the three-point line on limited attempts, however. Joe Harris is showing 46.6% on more attempts. We'll see how these teams 
um, how those guys do consistently and if they're going to show more consistency um, throughout the season. And LaMarcus Aldridge coming off the bench with a PER of 23.63, averaging 20 minutes a game, averaging 13 points, 5 rebounds, is splendid. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is, is a great pickup for them. He has size, not fast, but he's good. He's big presence down there, and you love to see uh, LaMarcus Aldridge back on the court. You can't dislike Marcus Aldridge. He's been fantastic. He's had a fantastic career, and you love to see it. Anyway, we're moving on to the team um, that's fourth in the Eastern Conference, and that is Miami Heat. Miami Heat have been great this season. They've shown that maybe they do belong back in the finals. They're second in the Southeast Division. You have Jimmy Butler leading the way, averaging 25.1 points a game, and then Bam with 10.6 10.6 rebounds, Kyle Lowry, who's fitting in well and doing less of scoring load, but focusing on playmaking. And even though his PR is at 13.22, it doesn't actually show how valuable he's been to the team, especially defensively. Now, Jimmy Butler's PR is incredible in 14 games played, 30.64. That is amazing. Um, Jimmy Butler's effect on this team is massive and effect and His effect is not that big on every team, but on this team especially, it does make sense. Jimmy Butler is a fantastic player. People slept on this Miami team before, and I don't think they should sleep on it again. This team is fantastic. They look loaded. They have P.J. Tucker now. Max Struss has been a great bright spot. Um, 19 minutes off the bench is great. Caleb Martin's on that team now. And then Gabe Vincent has been pretty good. And Tyler Hero. He has brought it back. He has told the haters wrong. Let's see if he can continue this and maybe possibly win sixth man of the year. He is absolutely fantastic. Shooting 39.5% from the field, averaging 7.1 three-point attempts per game. And his PR is 17.82, but because of his defense lacking. But his offensive game is splendid. That's what you want out of a sixth man. You want some sort of momentum. That's what you're getting. And you love to see it. Anyway, moving on to a team that surprised everyone. They are second in the Eastern Conference, first in the Southeast Division. A team that, after the, their big trade in the summer, we thought were going to be even more irrelevant and be lucky to catch even a 12th seed. And that's the Washington Wizards. A team that lost Russell Westbrook, who carried that team back into the playoffs, is now second in the Eastern Conference. That is crazy. And it's crazy because I thought Harrell after, I thought Harrell was great. Should have been good last year and even the bubble and he didn't produce. Kind of lost faith in him, to be honest. And a lot of people did last year, but I didn't. But this year, he shows up and he has a 27.9 PR to show with that. Um, and yeah, this team, this team has been great. For, it's, just, it's just weird. This team is just clicking Everything is going their way. Um, Chemistry-wise, with the new players, they just have a balanced team. You look at Bradley Beal, Harold, Dinwiddie, Kuzma, Pope, Gafford, Neto, Bertans, Aaron Holiday. That group there is enough to make you a decent team, but a team like this, it's crazy to think of. And when you look at it, it's like, what happened? Was Russell Westbrook the problem? Was coaching the problem? Was this team just meant to be together? I mean, you knew Kuzma, Pope, and Harrell had some sort of chemistry going into this team, but 
is Bradley Beal just that good of a gel player? Is Neto that good of a gel player? Is Gafford that good of a gel player? Is Bertans perfect for that? They just have a team that's just solidly meant for each other, but they're just not going to be contenders. If they continue on with this hot streak, I'd be very surprised. They're going to be at the Giants like in the 2021 season. With less, though, this team would be surprising if they make it anymore. That is crazy to think of. Just absolutely crazy. Next, we're going to be talking about the Chicago Bulls. First in their central division, 11-5, and five, tied for second in the Eastern Conference for uh, in the standings. And they're led by a big four, big five even you can talk about. You have Levine, DeRozan, Vucevic, Ball, and Caruso. This team has been amazing this season. It is awesome to see. It's great to see, and, we, and you love to see it. Vucevic right now is currently uh, contracted COVID-19, so he hasn't been at the team recently. But since then, the Bulls in the road trip especially have been great. DeMar DeRozan has rejuvenated his career, and hopefully he could do what he does in the regular season in the playoffs for once. In the Spurs, he kind of looked washed. He just didn't look like he had the potential to become what he was in Toronto. And he's showing what he, that he is what he was in Toronto. This is what he did in Toronto. But will he do in the playoffs? That's a big question. The Bulls are definitely making the playoffs this season, especially the team like this. Levine's also been a great regular season player. Everyone here has been great regular season players. However, this team doesn't have any playoff experience at all when you look at it. When you're looking down, the roster just hasn't been the greatest. But Levine's averaging 26 a game. DeRozan's averaging 26. Vucevic is not doing the best to start this season off. Only shooting 39.5% from the field. But he's there. And he's only, and he's only shooting 26.7 from the field, uh, three-point range. Not the greatest, but he's still there. Lonzo Ball is only averaging 12.8 uh, points a game. And 5.1 rebounds, 4.6 assists. But he's still worth that money that they paid him. Shooting 43.6% from the three-point line, 42% from the field. He's a playmaker. He knows how to play. He's getting, he is the one lining Levine and DeRozan up for success and everyone else on the team. This team is great fundamentally. Um, this is a team that fits Billy Donovan's system more. This is a team that has hustle on the defensive end. As Levine and DeRozan are average defenders, you have Vucevic down low in the post, who's a rebound monster, and a big presence down low. You have Alonzo Ball and Alex Caruso, who are feisty, athletic, defensive-minded guards who can also do stuff on the offensive end, which, which they have proved. Derrick Jones Jr., athletic, long, and very versatile for their team. And he could even play a center role, especially since Patrick Williams is out for a season. Um, this team could be looking to get someone else, and... Maybe they could be looking at Marvin Bagley, who, you know, hasn't played for the Kings. Or they could be looking at Kevin Love if he does get bought out, which is definitely a possibility since the Cleveland Cavaliers aren't definitely going anywhere. And they also lost Colin Sexton, unfortunately, for the rest of the season. It's too bad to see a young player looked, um, relied on his speed and athleticism to get through and just wasn't there. But very excited to see what they bring to the table. And then next, I'll be talking about the New Orleans Pelicans. And there's only one reason why. They're not going to really talk about there except for Brandon Ingram. Um, maybe some Jonas, Valanciunas. But it's been very sad to see. Um, 
they have they have some pieces. They have Ingram, Valanciunas, Graham, um, Alexander Walker, Josh Hart. Like they're just not names that you're really excited about. You have a Thomas Sadoransky. You have a Willie Herman Gomez. You have Jackson Hay who had some legal problems in the summer. You have Garrett Temple who was absolutely hated by the Bulls after that one play against Miami. This team is just very poor. They're just, they're just, just way, a very below average team. And it's unfortunate to see Valanciunas is great. He should be traded to a different team. Um, maybe Graham Ingram you keep. Josh Hart, like, he just, why would you want to keep him on your team? That's, that's, this is, when I look at New Orleans, this is why it's just, just disappointing. You lost Anthony Davis, and you couldn't do anything with him. You got DeMarcus Cousins, unfortunately, the ACL. You did get Drew Holiday. Not going to lie, they did try. And you can't blame them for injuries and, you know, things that you can't control and things that are out of your control. That's everywhere in the NBA. Many teams have faced that, and there's just no excuse to this. New Orleans are a joke. Um, they like the New York Knicks, which is without any, any um, flair, any, any attention, any money. Just, just not a good team. Just a very poor team. Um, and it's too bad to see because Valanciunas has been great. Ingram could score, just hasn't been, is not healthy. And the big question is Zion Williamson. Zion, Zion, Zion Williamson. I don't even know what to think. Look at him, he's three, 300 pounds now. It's a joke. This guy was the very first pick, the most hyped up rookie since LeBron James himself. And this is what, and he, you see him doing slide, defensive slides pre or post game. Looks like a joke. He doesn't look like an NBA player. He looks like, doesn't even look like an athlete, a guy who even belongs to be ne- anywhere near an NBA core. It's the disappointment to see. Maybe, maybe we'll see him lose weight, but it's going to take a long while to lose that weight. And he did, he, his game demands athleticism. And if he's not doing that, he's not going to produce, and it's unfortunate to see. This New Orleans Pelicans team is doomed. They should, tr- honestly, they should, they might as well just trade. Zion Williamson and just blow up the whole team. Maybe he's left Seattle back into the market. Next, we'll be looking at John Morant and Memphis. Memphis are an interesting team. They have pieces. I don't know why they gave up Valanciunas. He was good for their team. Even though Steven Adams isn't bad at all, averaging 8.2 rebounds per game for the team and doing pretty decent with 17.35 PR. John Morant, however, is the big piece. When you want, he, his PR is 25.06. When you look at their games, John Mor- it looks like they're playing a playoff game. John Morant just bringing the ball up slowly and casually. They don't play a fast game. And which is cool, he, John Morant is playing like a veteran player with that young rookie athleticism. It's cool to see, but it just this team's not getting anywhere. Um, Dylan Brooks is looking all right, but he's injured. Um, Desmond Bain, he's looking like interesting. We'll see how that goes. And Jaron Jackson Jr. has got to play more than 26.6 minutes a game. He's got to do more than that. It's unfortunate to see, but you got to stay healthy. You got an extension, big extension. You shouldn't be just playing 26 um, per game. Um, you got to do more. You can't be shooting 38% from the field. You can't be shooting 34.4% from three-point range, especially after shooting three, three, six, six threes a game. He could do better. He's big, but he could do better, and it's, you got to do better than that. Um, but this Memphis team has potential. They're young, they're feisty, and I'm excited to see what they do bring to the table. And we'll see what happens. Anyway, before 
I conclude on moving on to the rest of the standings, I want to talk about something that's very interesting, something that's surprising, and the NBA teams are forming an organization. And they're doing that just like the owners have, and it's injury. It's, it's, it's inter- interesting, sorry. We'll see how that impacts anything, but an organization between the GMs is good because it creates more interdependence between um, teams and shows that the league is also one, even though it's a business, even though there are teams fighting for each other. They also got to stick together for any political issues or anything else more than just basketball. Or even if it's about basketball, they could be together. They could make a voice for themselves. Just like the Players Association, just like the owners, just like the NBA organization itself, you got to have a voice and GMs need a voice because they're in the middle. They're between the players and they're between the owners. So we'll see how that goes. This could be good for them. Honestly, it could be something for them, but it might not. We'll see how that really turns out. It might not really make a difference in the end, but it could. And we'll be seeing that probably in the next offseason because that's when GMs start like, to make changes, especially during the season. You don't really want to do that, especially with a contending team or a team that's looking to contend. Anyway, there are many teams that are in between. Atlanta haven't been uh, kind of been disappointed throughout the season. Toronto have been average, and they're not even in playoff contention right now. The East is looking loaded. I would even think Indiana should have been a playoff team, but they're not. It's crazy to see what's going on in the playoffs right now. It's crazy to see who's going to be left out. Cleveland's probably going to be left out of that. So you're going to have Atlanta, Toronto, Indiana fighting for 7, 8, 9, 10 with other teams. Because this is insane. The East is stacked. Teams are going to be left out of the playoffs. Can't wait to see what the next 20 or so games hold onto us. And these games are going to be absolutely exciting. The Eastern Conference is stacked. These, these guys are fighting. These guys are playing. Um, the regular season is going to matter a lot this year. And it's going to be absolutely exciting. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. Um, and I can't wait to see what's, yeah, what's, what's in store for us with these players. Hopefully no more injuries. That's one thing that sucked last year, especially in the playoffs. You want players to stay healthy. You hope teams can manage that and learn from that. Maybe learn players less. Strategic resting. Um, and we'll see how that goes. And as well as the West. The West is open for grabs. I would love to see a Kings, a Thunder, or even a Spurs team make 10 seed. The Rockets, they don't even look like they're even going to win another game this season. Pelicans, I don't even know how they won three games. It's crazy to think. Phoenix and Utah are going to be great regular season teams this season, but are they going to be able to turn around in the playoffs? That's a big question and a question that we're going to take because we're going to be sleeping on Utah. And Phoenix, we're going to be thinking as a team that just made the finals because of injuries, just like the Heat did because of the bubble, but we'll see if they can prove that because a lot of players and other critiquers think otherwise. The Clippers, they're waiting for Kawhi to return. If he does, if he doesn't, they need to get someone else. Their team's not ready to contend yet. It's battle. Blazers are still seven, and they still have potential. Memphis, Lakers, Nuggets, those guys in a little group there. We'll see how that goes. It's going to be a very exciting season. Next 20 games are going to be something you want to watch, and then also look forward to the Klay Thompson return that's coming very, very soon. So excited for that. You cannot hate on Clay Thompson. And yeah. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Rio's Basketball Talk. If you remember, subscribe and like and share if you can. This is going to be great for us. Thank you.